What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Today, we have Abby Howard and Tony Howard Arias with us to talk about their upcoming game known as Scarlet Hollow. Abby, Tony, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having us. Yeah. I'm super excited to talk about this game, but before we dive in, I always like to hear a little bit about the people behind the creation itself. So especially in your case, Abby, you already have quite an accomplished uh, portfolio as a graphic novelist. So the question for both of you, though, is how did you get into the game industry in general? And what made you decide to create Black Tabby Games, your own independent gaming studio? We first uh, sort of thought about moving into the game space last fall, where Abby and I both were at this kind of crossroads where we had to figure out what we were doing next with both of our respective careers. So she's been a graphic novelist for what, six, seven, seven years, years yeah. now? Yeah, I've got, wow. I think, seven graphic novels under my belt at this point. Something like that. Something like that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, Congrats. so Congrats. she was in the process of finishing up the uh the her latest book yep. which and, feel uh, free to plug that if you want yeah the crossroads of midnight it's a collection of short horror comics if you like scarlet hollow you'll probably like it <laughs> anyway it's coming out october uh, so yeah and then i for a couple of years prior to this had been working on a startup that was building like volunteer organizing software for nonprofits, and that had sort of fallen through last summer and I was in a position where I was trying to figure out exactly what the best next step for was. Um, mm -hmm. And for me, I was pitching uh, a couple of comics to various publishers, but my heart wasn't exactly in them. They were okay. They were kind of half-formed. Yeah, like kind of undercooked at undercooked, the time. Undercooked, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was helping Abby Table at New York Comic Con, and a, a friend of yours mm -hmm. who came, came up. It yeah. was just like, hey... Oh, it'd be so fun if there was like a dating sim, but for archaic demons from the Old Testament, all the, the really spooky looking ones. And it was like, wow, yeah, that would be fun. And that, it has changed a lot since then. Yeah. But uh, right. our kind of initial idea was a bunch of dating sim type stories kind of loosely connected. That all end uh -huh. horribly. That all end horribly with monsters involved in each and every one. Yeah, and I, I happened once this friend left to be in the exact mindset where it's just like, hey, you know, like we could just do it. Like I, I, I could just make this uh, the, the the code part, and then we could do it, and why not? Yeah, it's right. become a lot more than that since then. <laughs> right, I was gonna say I've I've tried out the demo and I I was listening to you and I was kind of thinking I was like mm, I didn't really get that vibe from the the game that I was playing, but it, obviously it's not the vibe of the end product at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously things change though, and possibly for the better. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're looking for, but I enjoyed my time with it. Let's That's actually right. talk about yeah. Uh, let's actually talk about the game itself. So for those who know nothing about Scarlet Hollow or know nothing about kind of what your team is working on. Can you give us a little, you know, synopsis of what the game is? How would you describe it? And why should an audience be excited to check it out? It is a horror visual novel taking place in the mountains of North Carolina. And it follows you, the player, as you are returning back to your mother's hometown for your aunt's funeral and uh, unraveling the mysteries that your family has been involved in. Yeah, and I would just like to add a little extra color to that from sort of the gameplay perspective where uh, it's a very choice and dialogue heavy visual novel. Mm -hmm. um, so the dialogue system is probably something 
closer to what you'd expect out of like a Western RPG um, with a lot of meaningful decisions and figuring out how you engage with other characters. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because in this, there are obviously a lot of different dialogue choices, a lot of different scenarios of people that you're talking to throughout the game. How big of a, I guess, branching scenario is this planning to be? Because I can see that this would be a little bit challenging to create such a story. Like this isn't a one-to-one, -one, you know, in, in most of the stuff that you've done in your previous work, Abby, is very, you know, start to finish. So I'm just thinking about like, how many avenues do you anticipate or do you plan on creating for this experience? We do have a few different endings in mind. Uh, a lot of it is going to loop back into the main narrative. So a lot of the decisions while being important are not going to drastically alter a lot of the actual endings, but uh, it'll, we have... it'll alter the flavor significantly. Absolutely. Um, a lot of like the text is going to change a lot depending on what you've done. Yeah. Who's alive at the end is going to change a lot. What kind of relationships you have, how endings unfold. Like I, I think there's this trap that's easy to fall into when you're talking about endings in kind of branching narrative games where mm -hmm. you, you just kind of run into a question of like, okay, well, what actually is in ending? Um, so like to use a very controversial example, you've got like the end of Mass Effect 3. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> where... Right, like, like up until the end, the developers are selling it as, oh yeah, there's like hundreds of different endings, and then the final choice is you pick a color to tint the filter of your space explosion at the end. Um, <laughs> but like, it, even though a lot of people char characterize it as there are three endings, if you actually look at it, at what like the end of the world state is in a game like that based on all these decisions that you've made there really are like hundreds of combinations right. so you know overall we're looking at maybe four or five distinct endings that will be very distinct and not a choose your color sense oh yeah mm -hmm. um but then there's probably dozens if not more of little branches that'll have a dramatic impact on how the progression of the story feels even if things wind up in roughly the same location at the end gotcha no that makes sense it's super exciting too just to hear how much of that uh that passion or that vision that you already have for it, especially with the format that you're going for this. So I did want to talk about before we actually dive a little bit deeper into the actual game and what happens in it. Um, I wanted to comment about the fact that there's going to be these episodic iterations to the story. So just out of curiosity, why did you decide going the episodic route as opposed to having maybe just a game with DLC drops or separate titles that continue it all together or just one giant expansion? Uh, I like attention. <laughs> I, I, I crave it. So, well, uh, it's also uh, a lot more, it's a lot easier to kind of chunk it up in this way and make sure that we meet all of these deadlines for the next like three or so years rather than mm -hmm. working up to one huge deadline. Right. Like even if every single episodic release gets delayed by like a month, I feel like seven months instead of six between releases is better than something that has three years planned development time taking like four plus years. Um, right. I think beyond that, yeah, there's also... Grind me into dust. Yeah. I have to do that for three years. 
years. Yeah, I think there's also a component of because so much of our narrative is like a mystery and we're going to be doing a lot of heavy foreshadowing, we wanted to create an opportunity for a community to spring up around the game where people could mm -hmm. theorize and discuss things. And it felt like an episodic release was pretty well formatted for that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's very much how you would picture, I mean, I personally don't really watch a lot of TV anymore, but like old school TV sense of everything coming out uh, once a week and you having that at the end of the week being like, oh man, I can't wait for the next episode. There's that that bit of hype to keep the continuation going. So yeah. I could definitely understand that. Just trying to see if there were any possibly like other reasons. Oh yeah. The episodic. And, you know, like also to, to briefly go back to the whole community angle, it gives us an opportunity to see how people are kind of receiving and reacting to developments right. over time just to get a sense of, you know, are particular ca characters landing well and are some not landing well? Is there someone that, if we were just doing this on our own, might be a one-off appearance that just becomes a fan favorite or something like that? Yeah. Not that we're going to change too much based on fan input, but it is like having bug testers along the way. Uh, in yeah. a lot of ways, not just for like typos or actual bugs, but for uh, does this story actually work? Does this scene play out the way it was supposed to? Right. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. It's good. It's good for getting that feedback. Right. I, I kind of wanted to, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but just no uh, I wanted to see kind of how that was progressing so far. Cause right now, you know, nothing's out. Mm -hmm. This is going to be your first episode coming out. So how, how have you gone about actually doing that testing? Do you have people already that are kind of involved in this? Yeah, you know, we've got like 20 or 30 friends who who have been playing like much smaller chunks as they've been coming out. Yeah, they have graciously given us their time <laughs> to uh, check things out, make sure everything runs smoothly, and give us initial feedback on how the characters feel. And, and catching typos. Catching typos, telling us that the user interface is terrible. It's been very, very <laughs> helpful. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad that, you know, you're setting yourself up for success here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, more on the episodes themselves. How long, especially with, you know, you said there was uh, roughly about three years in your, your pipeline here. About how long are each of these episodes and how many will you have? There's going to be seven total, uh, one for each day of the week leading up to your aunt's funeral. And they're probably going to run around two hours apiece. Um, okay. with the last one potentially being significantly longer. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. That's cool. That's a, that's a good chunk of content right there. Yay. Now we just have to make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you have, uh, and I'm just thinking out loud and I'm sure because I don't personally, uh, do any of this kind of like storytelling stuff or building that out. I do much more smaller pieces when I think of like creative work that I do, but do you have the entire story framed in your mind? Is it something where like from start to end, you already know what happens? Or is it something where you've kind of created a vision and you're like, well, as we produce each episode, more of it will get fleshed out. Uh, we have all of it planned out, basically. Uh, this is how I usually like to go about my creative projects. If I don't have the end in mind, um, when I actually get started on at least the art, if not the actual script, uh, it, uh, I just can't work that way. A lot of people do. Uh, a lot of comics, uh, cartoonist friends of mine, just kind of go chapter by chapter and see where the story takes them. But uh, I do not work that way. <laughs> All good. I mean, everyone has their own process. And I think, uh, to be honest, if I'm 
just thinking about it out loud, I feel like that would the latter would probably be the better way to do it, or not the latter, but the 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 first one of your way, just because you know you have that vision in mind already. You know what's going to happen. It's easier to do that foreshadowing or to make you know those small hints at things. Exactly. That you kind of catch on. Even just um, construct. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Even just like constructing the environments that certain characters live in, like being able to put in little Easter eggs or flesh out like the character they'll be eventually just by adding like a significant plant or something. Right. Uh, that's a favorite of mine. I love putting in little Easter eggs about what's going to happen later. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, seeing as this is a visual novel uh, and this giant story, I, I feel like you know, it has to be asked, where did the inspiration for this story come from? And what message overall are you trying to have the audience take away? Well, it's a story that's very much about family and uh, all of the different ways that family can be both toxic and supporting, but <laughs> a lot of inherited trauma um, and just dealing with kind of familial expectations. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... So each story kind of deals with that in its own way. It's going to be basically uh, each day has at least one or two sort of vignettes in it that all tie together. And each of them kind of come from not only just this basic theme of like family and, and troubles of family, but uh, but it also comes from like just my favorite stuff. All of my favorite little horror tropes and especially uh, Southern Gothic horror tropes. Yeah. Um... I would also add this on the note of inherited trauma. Like, there's definitely some themes of, like, climate angst that come through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or just, you have inherited a dying world or a dying town. Right. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, as far as the demo got, I could definitely feel that, uh, that theme creeping in. Uh, everything seems to be very desolate and very kind of creepy in, in a way. Um, so I'm excited to see where more of it goes. Uh, I was also very excited because I'm a big RPG fan. Like that's that's really my jam. Mm -hmm. So especially when uh, and like you know I play games like Fallout or something is the most obvious one. And you always spec points. I always put points into the the ones where I I can get more dialogue mm -hmm. options so that I have different options or I can talk my way out of things or just have clever things to say to people. I really enjoy that part. And I love the fact that this game. What it does is at the start, you get to pick two traits. And based on those traits that you choose, you're then able to make certain dialogue choices in that. Now, I, I just wanted to get kind of, because I only had time to play it one time through, of and I, I wanted to see how much of that would really play in. Is this something where you're going to have those traits throughout the entirety of these episodes? Mm -hmm. Is this something where if you know, I might be losing out because I don't have strength versus the uh, more cunning abilities. Is is it like, um, you know, I'm going to miss out on certain things and there's that that push to like, oh, you should play it again because let's see what you can get or take a different path. How, how, uh, how much is the variation in that, I guess? Yeah, the variation is significant. Uh, a lot of it boils down to fluff for individual dialogue options, um, mm -hmm. but... One of the things that we're doing is every single episode is going to have at least one, if not more, major, major decisions that, assuming you somehow had a character with no traits whatsoever, are just like a kind of Witcher 2 style, here's two terrible options, pick one quick. And right. uh, for each of those situations, like, 
there will generally be a trait that can bail you out of that one bad decision. Um, so there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching in terms of how traits can influence paths. Um, mm -hmm. There's not going to be any combo, at least intentionally, that's more powerful or better than others. Um, right. But yeah, like, like the entire idea behind them is we want to give something that always makes the player feel good about using it. Right. Um, and then also to speak to replayability, there's only a few of these in the current state of the demo, but mm -hmm. something that we've been adding and working on are also um, extra special dialogue options and small paths that come from having a specific combination of traits. Um, so something like, say, if you have like keen eye and street smart, there's like a very specific extra observation you can make at a point or something like that. Gotcha. Okay. That's out of curiosity. Cool. Which ones did you pick? I picked those two. <laughs> Everyone picked... picks keen eye. <laughs> yeah. I think we've had yeah. two people who didn't pick keen eye out of our whole testing group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, well, cause you know, especially in these type of games, I feel like, and also because of the theme of this being like a horror game, I was like, I feel like my character would need something like that if I'm going in these uh, more or less sticky situations. Sure. So it just seemed like the right uh, choice. Then again, I mean, I guess I should have picked strength for that reason, but it's just not my style of these games. I usually just want to be like the clever can talk your way out of things or can see like a lot of things that are there that most wouldn't. But I mean, you know, maybe it just depends on on how it's uh how it's yeah. explained or like I, I don't know really why everyone would go for it but it is interesting yeah we, we have some wanna, theories I think they want to see all the dialogue stuff they want to see all the secrets it's also right. the most neutrally charged of the options that we have so mm. I think for a lot of people it's it's the go-to second trait like okay I want the flavor of being like witty and sneaky great I have that what else can I grab We've got a seventh trait that's planned as a stretch goal for the Kickstarter, though, that oh, uh, cool. will probably completely change the character building dynamic. I mean, we can say what it is. It's not going to be a secret, right? Yeah, let's talk to animals. <laughs> oh, oh, everyone's yeah, going to yeah. go for that. I know yeah. I would go for that. <laughs> so I'm worried then that we're going to wind up with all people picking uh, talk to animals and kunai. So, right. Oh, well, we'll see. if that's what they like, that's what they like. I have no control over this. We're going to write the fun flavor text for everybody anyway. So. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Um, I, I did want to talk about kind of the the um, the continuation of these because I, I mentioned it a little bit about having those traits that would carry over as far as like these decisions we're making in this game or these choices that we have to, to come up with. Are these all going to carry over to the next? Like this is saving our progress. This is very mm -hmm. like Mass Effect in that regards of like whatever you choose in episode one will carry over to episode two. 100%. Okay, perfect. Just wanted to make sure. Um, and is that, I guess, is that going to be something where, because one of the things that, and, you know, granted, maybe this is part of like that, that mystery or that story is, is there going to be any indication, I guess, for some of those bigger choices that you make? So you talked about every episode will have one of these possibly terrible decisions and you have to go back and forth. And I'm sure with like those, you'll probably get a feeling for what they are because they're probably more uh, 
just intense as far as yeah yeah but as far as like others are we going to have any type of indicator that we might have either based on like sort of like a relationship meter with the people that you're talking with or something like based on you choosing an option then something happens in the game like notifying you that you made a big change or is it just you know we're not going to hold your hand with this we're just going to your choices will decide the the path you go yeah we're very intentionally keeping stuff under wraps um so there will occasionally be kind of check-in moments where a character might say something that you know sort of talks about the state of your relationship with them um but one of the like core game design philosophies we're looking at is trying to get people to organically make decisions instead of min-maxing. So by moving stuff sort of under the hood, we're hoping it'll get people like a little more into the shoes of their characters. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I think that. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Tony's uh, built a relationship system where uh, thankfully it's not going to be a very black and white sort of plus heart, minus heart situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like a very complex human relationship. Yeah, I can talk about that a little if you want. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so for every single like major character you talk to, there's, I think, a like five-axis relationship system that mm-hmm. changes based on how you interact with them, uh, where the axes are, one of them is, um, you know, uh, do you take initiative and are you forward and blunt or are you more passive and you let the person take control of situations and follow along. One of them is measuring how like emotionally open and closed you are. Another is measuring if somebody feels like they can count on you in a pinch or not. Um, There's one that's just, oh, does this character think that you have good insightful ideas or do they think that you're kind of dumb? And there's also one that just kind of measures how often do you agree with someone versus how much do you push back on them? Um, so what generally happens is for each of these opposing values, you'll be able to get points, um, again, all under the hood as you talk to people and a lot of, um, a lot of the dialogue branching and some of the story branching will essentially look and see, okay, when you're talking, when you're looking at your relationship with your cousin, like, are you some combination of emotionally open and kind of adversarial with her, or do you just let her steamroll all over you? Uh, So a lot of these things are looking at um, kind of multiple axes at once to determine how a character is going to react to you. Wow, that's that's very, uh, a lot under the hood that you wouldn't really expect, I guess. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Um, So, yeah, no, uh, I think that's awesome. I think that's great as far as having so much that's there that you wouldn't really even think about, but will add to the story and, and build that depth in character building. Um, as far as the game goes, though, at least for the demo's sake, so this is supposed to be a horror game, and this mm-hmm. is supposed to be something that, uh, you know, there's going to be these either monsters or some kind of secret. We don't know what yet. The demo kind of leaves off on a, a cliffhanger of sorts. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the horror aspects of the game, can you give us a sneak peek of maybe some of these horrors or some of these things we might face here in Scarlet Hollow? 
Well, since the demo's out uh, at this point, hopefully people will have been <laughs> kind of alarmed by some of the things that show up near the end. Because mm-hmm. um, you've only played a partial demo, I think. So when, I believe so. Yes, yeah, so when the rest is out, hopefully people will have been at least startled or unsettled. <laughs> by what's happening. It's so hard for me to gauge uh, what is going to scare people. <laughs> so... Uh, I'm just so inundated with horror all the time that I'm just like, oh, wow, that was so much fun at the end of like a a very emotional and devastating horror film. Yeah, (laughs) I would say um, one thing that's worth stressing is we're not doing something with jump scares in it. We're not doing jump scares and we're also not doing traditional monsters in any sense of the word. Uh, I never like doing something that has already kind of a base lore to it. Even if it mm. seems like it shares a lot in common with something that is already written by somebody else, I uh, or just kind of uh, culture in general has created monsters, but uh, I don't like to use that stuff. I kind of just like to make my own stuff with its mm. own rules. Yeah, I, and I, I would say if there's like a single feeling that we're trying to elicit with it, it's probably dread. Yeah, dread. Mm. Okay. And sometimes okay. sadness. Yeah. <laughs> I always love sad word. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I can't wait to see uh, more of this. As far as um, what's coming next down the pike. So by the time this comes out, I believe episode one will be out, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Uh, and then in the coming, I believe, uh, very shortly, I think in October, uh, the Kickstarter is planned to go live. So let's talk a little bit about your Kickstarter and kind of what you hope to achieve from this, because I I love talking to developers because they always have a different mindset of whether it's something for like publicity, whether it's something for just the the funding aspect, what do you really hope to achieve with the Kickstarter and where do you, what's your like your end goal with this? Our end goal, I believe is to make it so that we have enough money to survive on while we make the game for the next several years. That's fair. Yeah, Yeah, that's my big goal basically. Okay. Okay. And this is, as far as like the Kickstarter goes, is this going to be something where you're, you're kickstarting this whole project? Is this for a specific like episodes or just like the whole package? Whole package. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Did we have any uh, other goals? Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, I just, sure. having worked in uh, a startup space before, um, where you know we're kind of beholden to conversations with investors and you know users and clients and stuff. I've gotten very sick around about beating around the bush for things like this. Uh, mm-hmm. We, we want to get paid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've yeah, I've, and that's that's totally fine. Like I've had a number of these conversations in these interviews where people will just say that, and like I think it's healthy to be able to say that. I think it's it's almost. Uh, doing a disservice to a lot of people to put on this facade that people don't need money to survive. Um, right. So, so I think that's totally fine. I think it's you know if you if that's what you need to accomplish this, like then yeah, this is the ask. Like, hey, we're trying to put on something for you guys. Uh, if you want it done, this is how we get it done. Which exactly. Right. Um, but that's that's makes total sense to me. One of the things I did want to ask, and maybe this is part of a stretch goal, I really don't know. Um, but I've noticed that obviously this seems to just be PC only right now. Um, are there any plans? And I think this does get a little kind of messy depending on uh, just because of the episodic nature of it as far as ports, whether that be something where you would want to do that once it's fully complete or 
do it in between but are there any ideas to expand to other places like the switch like you know xbox ps4 ps5 whatever it might be um a different console yeah um so it is right now going to be available on mac and pc so mm -hmm. a little bit of an ex uh, expansion there over just pc stuff uh, ports, I think, would probably wait until the entire thing is done, and then kind of depending on how successful it's been and how promising those markets look, it's something mm -hmm. we'd definitely be open to. Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure what the first other platforms we'd be looking at be given that this is many years down the line, um, right. but probably mobile um, and probably something like the Switch. But again, very, very far off. Right, yeah. No one no one take this as in it's going to happen. Just no. a, a potential. <laughs> That's all good. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. We're already about 30 minutes here, which uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really do have the best hopes for uh both of you with this game because it does look like something that is very interesting i want to know more about what happens um but as far as wrapping the show up i always like to end it with hearing some basic advice for people who are in the indie space uh, especially with youtube because you know trying to create your own uh company here and trying to get this game rolled off the ground i'm sure there's been some hardships or some brick walls that you had to plow through already um, what is some just general advice that you have for people who might be, you know, interested in getting into the industry or maybe people who are already there that just haven't, you know, gotten to experience it? What is, what has been helpful for you over, you know, the past months, years, whatever it may be? Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Well, this is my general kind of art advice, which I guess is not really my advice anyway, but, uh, perfect is the <laughs> enemy of done. So, uh, I think a lot of people kind of get stuck. I mean, this is art asset wise, basically. I feel like gameplay wise, you should probably make sure your game runs, but uh, <laughs> like, just don't get caught too in the weeds with making sure that everything you're doing is the best you could have done. If you've just finished it, that's probably good enough. <laughs> Other people aren't gonna see all of the like potential that you had in mind for the piece you're working on, so. Yeah, um, and I, I guess I've got a bunch of different things I can say. Sure. Uh, one, uh, yeah, like Abby said, just do the thing. Start making it. Um, <laughs> I think something that uh, is also worth thinking about, and I think a lot of people get into their heads with this, is, uh, and this applies to any sort of tech company, like, don't build something that already exists, especially if you're looking at like infrastructure type things. Like mm -hmm. we made this game in RunPy, which is a very easy to use open source engine that like came with a lot of the sort of back end we needed for a visual novel built in and mm -hmm. that saved a bunch of time. So if right. you can find something that would save you time by making it easier to make something, do that. Uh, right. The other thing that I think there's so much stressing is to find people to test what you're making 
find them early and make sure that they're the sort of folks that are comfortable giving you an honest opinion of things because yeah, there's nothing worse than getting into completely into just your own headspace for a giant project, sinking months or years into it, uh, and not getting any helpful feedback along the way, and then kind of releasing it blind into the world. Right. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, that that really goes into that question I had earlier about the episodic, you know, release style and why it's easier for you to do it in this fashion, just because you can get that feedback and get that constant iteration for each of these episodes so i think i think that those are all great pieces of advice uh for those listening by the time this is live scarlet hollow episode one should be available via uh, via steam and itch.io so go ahead check them out and of course keep an eye out for their kickstarter i'm sure that our uh our twitter account will also retweet any of the posts that come from uh that just so that you guys can be aware and check them out uh once again abby tony thank you so much for coming on today best of luck with the game yeah thank you for having us yeah